What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with my dad, where we talk about all things sports and especially the post-Jazz game as we come to the end of the first round for the Jazz against the Clippers. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad coming to you live tonight on this podcast from Connecticut. And a big, big win for our Utah Jazz tonight, 112-109 in game one of the second round of the NBA playoffs. Just an incredible game. Great win if you're a Jazz fan. Come from behind win and uh, just a gutsy, gutsy win down the stretch. Spencer, what are your initial thoughts? That game was insane. I definitely thought it was a, a tale of two halves. The Jazz did not do super well. They did not come off really great at the, at the, at the beginning of the game. They actually went on a 10 to two run, but they did not have a good first half. And then they had a phenomenal second half canceled out anything that might've been slow starting up and just really played a phenomenal basketball game. Number 45 got 45 points, which is huge. Most of his points came in the second half having about, I think 30, 32 points in the fourth quarter, maybe not the fourth quarter, but in the second half for sure. And that was big. So Great win, huge statement. It's good to know that we can beat these guys. And then it's even better to know that it doesn't matter if we're down. It wasn't really like we were down by 20, but it was like we were maybe down in energy. We can still come back and win. Yeah, I think we went down 15, maybe at least 13, probably 15 in the uh, in the first half. You talk about number 45, getting 45. Here's a little bit of a stat. He had, I think, 36 of those points in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And the Clippers alone scored 49. Donovan Mitchell almost matched the output of the Clippers in the second half. Just a great game by Donovan Mitchell. It was interesting too, because we obviously we talk about how the jazz, they focus in on three pointers and we repeat ourselves that three points is worth more than two points, which is a good strategy, but they like shot. They, in the first quarter and even going to the second quarter they shot like zero for 19 or zero from 18 just like on a streak of just missing shots and they only made three points in the first quarter I think I mean obviously they had their their free throws but it's interesting to see how they didn't give up and they just kept shooting threes and then as we talked about in other podcasts the stats usually play out and the expected numbers usually come through yeah you're so right I actually think they missed 21 shots in a row oh my gosh and they got behind and they still came back and won I remember sending an OT during the game and saying, oh my gosh we're still only down a little shocking but Spencer to play right into your hand let's see if you can get it on average how many three-pointers per game this season did the Jazz make I think they set a franchise record where they on at per per game per game how many three-pointers did they make per game 16 16.7 and tonight they had 17 so there we go when 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 they only have two three-pointers or three three-pointers or seven three-pointers if you're a jazz fan and you're an nba fan or you're a sports fan and i'll go one step further if you're just a fan of really anything even (laughs) in business follow the numbers the numbers will eventually eventually catch up and you'll be right back where you started. If you look at this game and all the stats, it's if you go all the way down the row, 42% shooting by the Clippers, 41% by the Jazz. 88% free throw shooting by the Clippers, 81% for the Jazz. Eight turnovers for the Clippers, seven for the Jazz. And on six blocks, six blocks. 24 fouls, 24 fouls. One technical, one technical. It was a so, such an even game. And that's why the score ended up 112 109 just an incredible 
game one win. And I'll go back to what you said a second ago. Donovan Mitchell was not going to lose. He said at the post-game interview, I didn't do well. I went into the locker room. I said, I'm going to come out. We're, we're going to go out and get this game. And this no longer are we calling him a star, an all-star. You have to start calling Donovan Mitchell a superstar. His fourth 40-point playoff game ties a franchise record of Carmelo with four 40-point games. Carmelo did it in 100 and 59 playoff games. And I think Donovan's done it in less than who, how many, not very many. So pretty impressive. Incredible. Carmelo was actually there tonight for all those watching. He was rocking Clarkson's jersey. He looked really nice, really good. It was fun. All the crowd was basically carrying the energy. There was a cool moment with Mitchell and uh, D Wade. D Wade's always been a mentor to Mitchell. And it was interesting to see at the end of the game, kind of D Wade call him over while we were shooting free throw and just be like giving him some advice. And it's fun to see an owner. And I love D Wade as an owner, just stepping in when he can to put an impact on the game. And I, and I think if we go to the numbers, the actual numbers, everybody had a pretty solid night. Like we talked about, it did take a little bit. Bogdanovich had 18 points, five runs, one assist. Mitchell, couldn't talk about him enough. He had 45 points. O'Neal played really well, I thought. His his stats are usually don't really show how well he plays. And he hustled tonight and put up 18 points and 11 rebounds. And those rebounds attest to his um, hustle. And then yeah, Gobert. Yeah. I think eight points, not 18, but eight points. Oh, eight but, points. The, the, but the 11 rebounds, you're, you're spot on. To do from his position to get double-digit rebounds against a very long – very big lineup like the Clippers. He played his heart out. It was interesting too, because our, my brother, one of my other brother, he, was, he sent us a note during the game. He's a big fan as well. Watching the game. He, he mentioned that the Clippers had a smaller lineup in series one against the Mavericks. And then they seemed to bring out a bigger lineup with cousins coming in and, and um, what's his name um, with, you, you had Dubac. Uh, he played a lot of minutes. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of came in with a bigger lineup about midway through the first quarter, going into the yep. second quarter. And I kind of rattled the Jazz for a little bit, but I thought Royce played lockdown defense on Kawhi, and even when he switched over to uh, to Paul George at times, we'll get into their performance. But then Gobert had a pretty decent night. His his night really came in with his impact in the paint. He had 10 points, 12 rebounds, two blocks, had the game-winning block, which is always crazy to watch where um, Morris Jr. pulled up to, to tie the game at, at the buzzer, but you can't do that on the on the defensive player of the year, and he's put him in his place. And then Ingles kind of had a quieter night, played pretty well, hit some good points, had seven assists, which is big, only three rebounds and eight rebounds and eight points. Um, and I can keep going, but then Clarkson put up 18 points. I think all of his shots, all his points came from three. So he hit, th- he hit six three-pointers. So all of his baskets were three-pointers. And then Favors, I thought he played really well. His stats only show up, but he had 2.6 rebounds, huge rebounds. And he held his minutes really well to give Gobert breaks. And it almost seemed like he won his personal battle with whoever was guarding him. Yeah, great point about Favors. His minutes, 15 minutes, were 15 solid minutes. He used his fouls. He used his length. He had some blocked shots. He clogged the middle. It wasn't... It's what you, it's why we went out and got favors was for a night like tonight where he could spell Rudy Gobert and really get in there and play. I will tell you, I'm um, going back to the stats. Rudy, 
was six of nine from the free throw line. So it's roughly 60 something percent, 70 percent. But but I got to tell you, big free throws down the stretch to hit him. There's nights like this where the pressure can get to you and he could have missed. Um, while we talk about angles, it's, you know, eight points, seven assists. It worries me a little bit, three of 12. And there was a shot in the corner late in the game where he didn't pull the trigger. And then a few possessions later, he did pull the trigger and he missed it. There's something not quite right with Joe. I'm not saying he didn't add value because I'm a big Joe Ingles fan, but he's not clicking the way he was during the regular season. Do you feel like the players around him, the team kind of feels more comfortable when he's on the court though? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we can, we can say that and he has a presence about him and, and he's there. They know he, he's not going to turn the ball over too much. Um, and, and he's a calming influence, but I do have to tell you, we missed Conley tonight. Mm. We, the, we missed the way that he gets us into the offense when he's on the floor. We missed his three point shooting. You know, again, Ingles going one for eight from three. I don't see Conley going, you know, he's had his nights, but Conley would have shored that shooting up, I think in the first quarter and wouldn't have let us get down so far. Um, so we missed him. So hoping that he can get healthy and come back. Switching over to the Clippers, I know you were going to get there, so I'll, uh, I'll set you up for this one. Paul George, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Looks like an okay you know, points rebound stat line, but really not so great. His field goals were he was four for 17 from the floor. He shot, Yeah, he shot 23%. And so – I thought that the whole game that he was not playing well, his points did come from the free throw line and it just seemed like he wasn't making any shots. He literally missed almost every single time he pulled up, but he he had some good points going down. I thought we played really good defense on him and it kind of was good. It's always good when an opponent's all-star, one of their all-stars doesn't play well because you could kind of relax a little bit on defense. Not, I'm not saying that we relax on defense, but we, we got some breaks that kind of pushed us to do better when we had the ball and that was good. Leonard had his night was kind of quiet too. He had 23 points, seven rebounds, three assists. The difference between Paul George and Leonard tonight, I thought Leonard, he probably could, he probably will put up more points later in later games in the series. But Paul George only had two assists, which I think is interesting because sometimes he has nights where he has eight or nine. And so that just showed that he wasn't really too impactful during the game. And he actually kind of might have sucked in some, some shots or, or sucked in some moments where he probably could have gave up the ball. And then what really kept the Clippers alive were their points off the bench. That's really what made them go up early in the first half. And then it really kept them alive down the stretch, mainly with uh, Kennard. He put up 18 points and had two rebounds, but he was shooting really well. And that kind of gets frustrating when you are playing against a team where their bench is shooting well. Yeah. Let's talk about Luke Kennard really quick during the regular season. I'm going to go a couple of things here. Regular season, he averaged eight points. Tonight, he had 18, so he's 10 mm-hmm. above his average. Kawhi Leonard averages 24 points. He had 23 tonight. Again, let's talk about numbers. Generally, in sports, in business, in life, the numbers start to even out, even over the course of one NBA game. But Luke Kennard was seven for nine from the field, had a great night, got rolling. Donovan Mitchell said he didn't play good defense on him in the first quarter, and that's really what kind of – uh, kept the Clippers, you know, at arm's length uh, against the Jazz. But you gotta, you gotta hand it to the Clippers. They played a, an emotional series. Forty-eight hours ago, they finished it off with a, a game seven against the Mavs. 
Kawhi has had to now guard Luka Doncic, who is one of the best in the NBA, and Donovan Mitchell. I saw Kawhi near the end, not that he wasn't defending strong, but in their all-man switching defense, he did switch off of Donovan. And the minute that Kawhi gave him airspace, he split that double team and went to the rim again and again and again. The Clippers will fix that, I'm sure. But I, it's like I said to you early on in the night in a text, you watch the Clippers are going to get tired. And I think they got tired near the end of that game and the Jazz caught fire and got a lot of energy off of the crowd. So, yeah, going back to what you were talking about with Leonard playing defense on Mitchell, it seemed like in the last five minutes of the game, they're, Mitchell obviously took over and we talked about it. I mean, we probably can't even stress it enough how well he did down the stretch. But he would bring the ball up and they would do a high pick and roll with Royce, and that would switch Kennard onto Mitchell. And if he had the option, he would split the D and go straight to the to the layup. And that was different from what they're doing the first half where they only shot threes. And so it was cool to see the kind of their understanding of the game and where it was going and taking advantage of where they were wrong and just splitting the D and going in and getting that easy layup. And there was obviously what who fouled out. Was it? Yeah, Jackson. Uh, Jackson fouled out. Jackson fouled out. And that, he fouled out like early in, yeah, in the minutes. fourth and and that hurt he has been if you go back to the previous series with the mavericks he was a catalyst to the wins that they had and True. he actually was playing well prior to fouling out we just got him we we forced the issue with him into foul trouble and again let, let, i used to in my early age really worry about refereeing but the numbers 24 fouls a piece. So it wasn't called one side or the other. There might've been, if I'm a Clippers fan, there were some tiki tack fouls, but I could say the same thing about the jazz and interesting. We challenged a foul in the game where Rudy charged against DeMarcus cousins and it was overturned. You rarely see those calls overturned uh, because if there's any contact, the referees are going to bond together and stay with it, but they didn't. I thought it was an okay officiated game, but but Jackson had some some really close fouls and he fouled out early in the fourth. Yeah, so I, I, honestly, at the beginning of the game, I didn't think we were going to pull this one off, but this just shows what type of level the Jazz are playing at mentally to come back and really hand it to him the second half. And obviously there were some fouls that were questionable. It's funny because I, I joked about it. I was watching the game with my brother-in-law tonight and he, we were joking about how there was at least three or four times where it looked like Leonard double dribbled or traveled or just picked up the ball and started dribbling again. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating when that happens, but I mean, the game goes on and, and the Jazz still kept their composure and they played well. It would have been nice to have Conley. I, I, I'm interested to see where he's at just because he's more of a breath of fresh air when he's on the court because of his, because he's a veteran and he just, it feels right when the ball's with him or at least when he's there in the game. But overall, mm-hmm. the game went the way that I was hoping. I would have liked a little bit more space, kind of. We went on an early run, and that's really where it fell apart, where we could have opened the game up a little bit more or had moments where we could have capitalized on their poor shooting. And I guess we kind of did at the end of the game, but they shot really well and uh, towards the end of the second half or first half, but we really could have taken advantage. Like we, like you said, we, we were still in the game. We were only down by nine at times where we could have been down by 20, and it would have been great if we could have lessened the gap or even yeah. put distance from them. Yeah, so d- just a great win. Before we buzz around the league, we'll, we'll leave. Uh, I just have a thought for you. Uh, this can be a debate tonight. 
tomorrow night and for the years to come, two things happened near the end of the game. The Clippers had two timeouts remaining. They get a rebound down three, 112-109 with 17 seconds left. They don't call a timeout. That's number one. They go down. If you're the Jazz, if you're the Jazz, do you foul? We choose not to. We play great defense and we win the game. So, you know, no one will say a word. But if you go back earlier in the Jazz season this year, same scenario in Philadelphia, and we don't foul, and Embiid hits a three and sends it into overtime. So, right. number one, if you're a Clippers fan, would you have elected to call a timeout? I probably would have just to settle my team down and go for the best shot. You still have two superstars in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that can hit that shot without a timeout. But then if you're the Jazz, do you say, let's just foul and ride this game out on the free throw line so that they don't have a chance to tie? So very interesting. It worked in the Jazz favor, but it's a debate for everybody that's listening to this podcast who loves basketball. Do you foul or do you let him take a three? A lot of shit ups too, because Morris, when he shot that last three to try to tie it, Gobert jumped on the fake. And you could argue that he, that Morris should have dove into Gobert on his attempt to shoot the three but he didn't, and that allowed Gobert to block him. So, I mean, a lot of shutouts, the game played out yeah. the way that it should have, like we said, because of the numbers and because of the expected averages that we've shown in other series and throughout the season, it kind of played out to where it should have been no matter what. If you took, if you looked at the numbers before the game and then you compared it to the after the game, it, they line up perfectly, and that's just because the Jazz are the better team and they're number one, and you can argue whether or not the Clippers wanted to be number four, but we showed why we're the number one team tonight. Yeah, great win. It's good to get the first one in the series, and it sets the Statement. tone. So I'm excited for game two on Thursday. Going back uh, in time, we'll just go back to tonight and then maybe bounce back to last night. But it's like the NBA world is tilting back to the way it should be. Hmm. Um, so in the East, the Hawks uh, won game one a few, uh, a few nights ago. It's crazy. And in Philadelphia, but then Philadelphia came back tonight and handed it to the Hawks. Sure. Trey Young's shooting down the stretch just didn't pull it out. So they won 118-102 and even that series at a game piece. So the Hawks went in and took care of business and grabbed the game from the Sixers, but the Sixers did look more dominant tonight, more prepared and ready to go. And Shake Milton had a great game for the Sixers to even that series. So I have a stat that can kind of tell what happened in those in the difference between the two games. So in the first game, the one that the Hawks stole from the 76ers, they scored 42 points in the first quarter of that game, shooting 72% from, from the field. And so the that's the 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 Hawks set a record for their highest first quarter of um, field goal percentage in a playoff game since 2002. So I guess that might be a reason why they won the first game and didn't capitalize on the second game is because they shot lights out in the first quarter. Yeah. And that's what can happen, right? Again, numbers generally even out, they might be high for one game, maybe two games, but eventually you come back to your averages and you're right. They were above average and stole a game on the number one seed on the number one seed home court. And then they fell back to averages tonight and lost and even while they were in the game they never really were in the game going uh to the other series in the east uh the nets were up almost by 50 Hmm. last night against the hawks i mean against the bucks we're talking about Giannis and middleton 
and Holiday and Lopez and on and on. And the Nets, we're, we're talking Irving and Durant and that team. So it's a great series, but man, they just handed it to the Bucks. And if you're the Bucks, when you go down 40 points, mentally, you're like, what is going on? And now you're down 2-0 in the series. You're headed home. But man, the Nets look really, really good. It's going to take a whole different mindset to kind of pull yourself from that one. And I think they can do it. Most teams can. They can kind of turn it on, especially at home. But it's interesting to see how the Bucks are playing their game. Giannis is obviously a, an anomaly when it comes to just anything, just his athleticism with his body. But it kind of seemed like Lopez isn't performing at a high end or, or there's, I mean, it's hard to beat the Nets. Let's be honest. It's not going to happen too often. And you really can't make, there's no room for blunder when you're playing a team like the Nets. And if you blunder multiple times, you're going to get blown out. But this was all without Harden as well. I don't know too much about him. I don't know if you do, Dad. Is he scheduled to come back soon or, or what's the deal with that? Um, hamstring. So we, we have history there because one of our guys in Conley has a hamstring. It's it, both Conley and Harden during the regular season dealt with it. Both missed double-digit games because of it. Harden missed, I think, the last 20 out of 21 games because of it. Um, I haven't seen an update on him from a health perspective. I wonder if they're up 2-0, that if the Nets just say, hey, pump the brakes, stay on the bench, get healthy. We're going to need you for the Eastern Conference Finals against whoever comes out of the Another Hawks question season. then. Do you think the Nets will sweep the Bucks? I think that Durant has been here before. Irving has been here before. They know the importance of, of dispatching a team as quickly as possible. And I just don't, I just haven't seen the Bucks even look like they're, they're in these games. Now, the first one was close. The other one was not. But I'm saying when I say the word in, you might, you might be physically in a game, but mentally you're not. It's almost like they're just, what can we do with these great superstars? So, yes, I'm going to go out and say I think the Nets sweep this series. Durant averages the most points a game in the playoffs, I think, throughout active players. Mitchell's up there, and that's between, I think, I know, I saw the stats today. I know um, AD is up there. I think Durant averages like 29.3 points yeah. in the playoffs. And Mitchell's like 27. Had, yeah, I think you had, it was, a, a, talk about Donovan Mitchell being a superstar. Let's just call him what he is yep. again. He was up there with Durant, LeBron James, and AD over the last, I don't know, whether it's last last four years in the playoffs, uh, averaging, you know, 26, 27 points or higher. So, Crazy. Um, just, so just incredible by Donovan Mitchell. But yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant is a scoring machine. We forget the longevity is, of his career, the MVP, which he's won, the finals, which he's won. This is for all those NBA fans out there. You're watching history every night that Durant steps onto the hardwood. This guy is a prolific scorer. Check out the word prolific. He knows how to put the ball in the hoop and he can get a bucket at, almost at will when he's on the floor yeah that's true but let's jump over to the mvp who just won mvp in his series we got Jokovic playing chris paul the nuggets versus Yo Yo Jokic. Jokic. Yo Jokic right? sorry yeah sorry Jokic won mvp and he is now 
facing the Suns. Uh, they're down a series, right? Yeah, so listen, the Suns beat the Nuggets and are up one game. They took care of business on their home floor, the same as the Jazz. The, the difference was this. The Nuggets, had, the Nuggets had the Suns number. They had a good lead. They were pushing nicely. It was into the third, and then the wheels came off, and the Suns went on a big run. Mikael Bridges was big for them. Uh, Chris Paul, uh, you know, Reggie, Reggie um, uh, from the old Pacers guy, Reggie, um, he uh, said a quote about Chris Paul where he's one of the best closed-out players in the NBA. And so once the Suns were up eight, 10, 12, um, and Paul had the ball in his hands, you knew he could close out that game. So the Suns go up 1-0 on the uh, the Nuggets, even though Jokic played well and, you know, the rest of his supporting cast played well. It's just the Suns are that good, and they tightened up their defense and won that game. Do you see that? Do you? Because I feel like the Nuggets are smart enough to come back and not let something like this kind of repeat itself. Do you think they can steal a game then? Well, you, you don't even have to think. You, you can almost make it factual. We're talking about a team last year in the first round and the second round that was down 3-1 and won both those series. So we know that Mike Malone as a coach can get his team ready in a series and switch gears and come back after being down in a series. Jokic is the MVP by far and away uh, voted today. Uh, and he's not going to go quietly in this series. So when you say, can they get a game? Yes, I'll go as far as to say, I think they can make this a series. And if they can turn the table and kind of put the Suns on their heels, the Jokic has the playoff experience. We know Chris Paul does, but Jokic has playoff experience that goes deep into the playoffs and he's done it consistently. Um, it's kind of a coin toss, but I, I see this series going six or seven games in, in my mind. I do as well, because in their first game, the Suns had four players that scored 20 points or more. And that's saying a lot. It's hard for four players to come out and score 20 points. It, it kind of shows the diversity that the, 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 um, the Suns have. But I don't know if they can re repeat themselves, because as we talk about, the theme is just numbers. I don't know how many times they can do that. But it'll be interesting. It'll be a good series. Good to watch. Um, I think overall, once Rivers starts making more shots for the Nuggets, then that really becomes a series because he can really hit teams hard when he is flowing from the three-pointer. But overall, the series are – I mean, the playoffs are doing really well. I, I saw another stat that the Mavericks haven't won a playoff series for over a decade now. So, unfortunately, with their loss to the Clippers, that streak continues since they haven't won a playoff series in over a decade. And, um, and now the Clippers advance, obviously, as we just beat them tonight. Right. And what's interesting about that stat about the Mavs, let's go to the team that beat them, the Clippers. The Clippers in their franchise history have never been to the Western Conference Finals. So this is an interesting matchup between the Jazz and the Clippers in that the Clippers are playing for a little bit of respect as a franchise to finally get over the hump and get to the Western Conference Finals. They're built to win. Um, and they threw everybody out on the floor tonight, even going to Marcus Cousins, uh, as we made mention. But they've never been to the Western Conference Finals, so I'm sure they're going to make this a series with the Jazz. Uh, but you're right, the Mavs, 
it'll be interesting to see what the Mavs can do. I think they've got a great team. It's, it, it's amazing where the NBA is to have a guy like Doncic out of the playoffs, LeBron James and AD out of the playoffs, Damian Lillard out of the playoffs. So while we talk about, you know, players, or even as a jazz fan, you go, well, is Donovan Mitchell there? I'm going to say it for the third time tonight. He is a superstar. He is still in the playoffs and he is winning games it is time for people to recognize him. And I know they have, I, I shouldn't say people have not, but I think it's time to recognize that we are watching something very special happen as jazz fans. We've had the great John Stockton, Carmelo, Jeff Hornacek, Mark Eaton, and on and on, but we're watching somebody that's pretty darn special for our franchise. Yeah, he hasn't lost a game at all this whole playoffs. He's won four straight against Memphis and now he just won another one with the Clippers. And um, do you think the game will be as close as it was tonight on Thursday? I, I generally game twos, you'll see a blowout. Um, but I do expect it. I do expect it to be close. I, I, I don't know where the stat is and I really should have it ready, but I think the stats pretty strong in that when you make 17, three pointers, you're hard to beat. So let's be clear. The Jazz were 52 and 20 with the best record in the NBA and the number one seed in the playoffs. And they made the most three pointers on average per game in the NBA this year and set a record. So the point is go back to the Warriors when they were winning championships just a few years ago, they were hitting three point shots. The Clippers are a good three point shooting team. So yes, I think this series the games will be very close because both teams can really knock it down from the outside. I'm hoping Conley's ready. I, I, again, he struggled with his hamstring the whole season, really. But I think, I hope it's not that bad. So I, I, back. I, yeah, I, I thought I heard them say that he is probable already for game two. He will have not played for eight, nine days by the time he steps on the court on Thursday. So, so let's, let's get him back. I think he will make a difference, but we won tonight without him. And that's a big, big statement for the jazz and just a big win. Another impressive, another impressive, sorry to cut you off. Another impressive statistic that I want to highlight for the jazz is they only had, what was it? Seven turnovers or eight turnovers. And that's big for the jazz. We lose games sometimes because of our turnovers. It really comes down to our three pointers um, our field goal percentage, obviously, go bear with his impact on defense, but also our turnovers. It's hard to win or even stay in a game, even if you're making your three-pointers, if you're constantly turning it over and allowing other teams to put up almost 20 points off of your mistakes. Yeah, great, great call out. A, a night when you're missing your all-star point guard, your playmaker in Mike Conley, and you don't turn the ball over. So while I can go back, maybe I've got to reassess my critique of Joe Ingles, not shooting well from the floor, but in his minutes, he was able to really handle the ball well for the Jazz. I mean, he played 32 minutes and he had, how many turnovers did he have? One turnover. So you're right. The Jazz tend to be a turnover prone team into the double digits and tonight they weren't. And they got a win. Yeah, it was great. Clarkson played well. Everybody had their their moments, and it's big to see them kind of ride off the 
the energy that the crowd provides. Again, we're back at 100%, which feels good, and it looks good, and they might have even brought us back to the game at times. Mitchell obviously was on a mission in the second half, and it's hard to stop somebody with that determination, and that was really just the whole game, and I'm hoping we get um, – I hope I'm hoping Gobert gets his credit for his impact on defense. He obviously will for that last second block, but his impact, you can see people changing their minds uh, like almost immediately when they get past their defender and then see Gobert in the paint. They, they start, or when they start going on offense, they notice that they can't get past Gobert. They don't even want to try for good reason, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great. funny you say that. I think tonight in the previous series, in the math series, Terrence Mann, played more minutes for the Clippers tonight. He played eight minutes. He was a, he was a real big factor for the Clippers to get past the Mavs in the previous series. I saw him dribble into the paint. If we've seen this once, we've seen it a hundred times this year. He, he generally can get a shot off and he gets into the paint. He goes, well, what, who, uh, and then he leaves the paint because Gilbert is standing right there. Right. He is far and away the defensive player of the year. I know he's on our team. However, if you watch him night in and night out and what he does to alter a game, it's, it's truly incredible. Truly it could incredible. be maybe one of the best offensive seasons of all time. And it is kind of showing out in the playoffs. It would have been a whole different story had he not been the game, obviously. But like Kawhi was forced to do his little fadeaway shots. Paul George was forced to shoot shots outside of the paint. And that might have been why they didn't shoot as well when they, when they could have put up bigger numbers without someone so – dominant on defense in the paint um yeah. i did want to jump over just before we I, and then maybe we can end with talking about the jazz one last time but i did see that lillard put out a tweet saying that it might be time for him i mean people are saying that he's hinting towards leaving the, the blazers and i just wanted to see if you had any thoughts there yeah i heard that this is a player who I think a year ago, no more than 18 months ago, said, I am loyal to the core. I'm going nowhere. <laughs> it's funny what losing will do to you, especially when you believe you should be winning. And um, he, he has made a statement that he, he might be looking elsewhere. I, I, listen, I think Portland would be very sad, but he's given his all to that city. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what with happens. With their eyes on him, do you think? I, I, I don't know. I haven't really studied that much. I think when you're in the throws of the playoffs and we know that he's been loyal to Portland and he's under yeah, contract, exactly. I, I just don't see a lot of news around it until we maybe get past this next round and only four teams are last, less left. And there's a little bit time to breathe and a little bit more time to foster a story like that. Great. All right. So I guess I'll let, I'll let you end with the jazz. And if you want to just say one key thing they need to do for the next game what would it be well they have to come out and uh, stay up with the clippers as the first quarter and second quarter to transpire i think what we're seeing with the jazz is they are truly a fourth quarter team we saw mm -hmm. them wear down the grizzlies we saw them catch up and somewhat wear down the clippers tonight the important thing for the Jazz, if they can stay with a team and have a lead, generally when you get into the end of the third and into the fourth and the shots, shots start falling and the ball movement continues to move, they can win. So the one thing would be to keep pace in the early moments of game two. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch. I can't wait Thursday. So can't wait to see it happen. And hopefully we can get another one and not be so scared 
towards the end of the game and have a good lead at the beginning. Totally agree. Uh, yep. All right, Dad. Well, thank you for your time. I hope you have a good night. All right, Spence. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye.